Okay, let's go ahead and find a way back to our chairs and we will get started. Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas service, really, because next week it'll be the, the 26th. You know, at 10 o'clock, there were three people in here. <laughs> it was more than three, but it looked like three, and I was like, they'll be here. Glad to see everybody. So um, we're doing something a little bit different today. If you I feel come, like you say that a lot. I do say that a lot. <laughs> I do say that a lot. So over the next four weeks, it's going to look a little different on Sunday mornings, and that'll make sense on a week-to-week uh, -week basis. But we're just coming out of a season of some pretty intense teaching, um, some really heavy teaching as we went through Ephesians, and especially as we uh, finished with you know, the armor of God. So um, teaching was heavy, uh, good response. Um, oh, throughout the, the, all of the year, we passed the microphone around at the end and we got your responses. And we said in December that we weren't going to do that, just so you know. In December, we really wanted it to be a time of waiting and pondering and just being still before the Lord in this Advent season. So that'll continue today, so we won't be passing the microphone around. We have something going on tonight. A party. Yes. Partay. Right. And you'll talk about that later. Right, so this morning will probably be a little bit shorter because we want you to be able to go home and rest and you'll be able to come back tonight. But today is going to feel less teachy. This is the first time I've done this. First off, I'm wearing a tie for the first time at Redstone. So kind of, kind of. Um, there's no TV. I don't have my type notes. You don't have any insert. I don't have my tablet. So it's just a different kind of a Sunday. So it's going to feel very devotional. Okay. So with that being said, we're getting ready to jump in. I'm going to pray for us. And then here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and get your Bibles ready. Go ahead and get your Bible on your phone ready. Because we're going to read through a lot of the Christmas story. We're going to start in chapter 1 of Luke, verse number 5. And we're going to go through chapter 2, verse 20. And we're going to read it. And I told Sam, I said, just come and read and then I'll make you stop from time to time, and then we're just going to talk. So that's what this morning is going to look like. All right, y'all ready? Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for um, my friends that are here. They're not just um, saints and brothers and sisters. These are people that I love, and we love each other. And, and I just thank you for the good thing that you're doing here. Uh, Lord, I pray that this morning that we would just steal our hearts and our minds and that we would open up your word and that we would see this story and that we would wait upon you and that we would ponder the things that we hear and that we would truly worship. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. Lord, help us to understand these and other words and proclamations in a way that we need to be reminded this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're in this season of waiting and pondering and thinking about that. My question to you, Sam, is, are you a good waiter? Do you wait well? Depends on what I'm waiting for. Yeah. If it's dinner, not so much. But. So how about you guys? Who, who in here says, I'm actually really good with waiting? Yeah, I can stand in line, I can be in traffic, and I'm okay with it. Right, you, you, there's a few of you here, okay? How many people really, really struggle with that? 
Yeah, that's me. So I think that the biggest issue with the waiting part with me is people need to understand it's all about me. Like I'm on the road and I'm trying to get from point A to point B. Do they not know that I need to get there by 10 o'clock and they should just get out of the way? And when they don't, I get really frustrated. That's a hard issue. And as I started thinking that through, I'm like, that's a hard issue. That's a, you know, I want to be like God. I want to be in charge of everything. I want everybody to, you know, to, to rotate around me. We don't wait well for the most part. And even in this Christmas season, we don't wait in Christmas season. It's like we just go and we go and we go. So we're trying to intentionally just slow down. But as Sam's been talking about in the, the ministry moment devotionals, you know, there was this proclamation that he gave to Abraham. You know, that uh, from your seed, all of the earth will be blessed. You know, from the seed of Abraham, the Savior was going to come, right? That was the proclamation, and then Abraham dies, right? And then there's these kings, and there's prophets, and, you know, everybody raises up. And then after that, the Lord reveals a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and everything in the Old Testament points to the Messiah coming. None of the Old Testament makes sense unless you understand, oh, this is pointing to the gospel. And then there was this 400-year period of time. And this 400-year period of time, when we read that quickly, but think about that. 400 years is a long time. Like, I'm 54, right? And, and no one in here is 400. So imagine, like, you know, eight times my life would be how many years that the people have gone without hearing from the Lord at all. No prophetic voice, um, you know, no vision, nothing. And then here it goes. Boom. And that's what we're going to hear this morning. So this 400 years is over. Understand that. And now the Lord says, it's time. And he begins to speak to his people. So Sam, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's read through it together. And then I'll stop you after each section and we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay. So beginning in verse 5, the word of the Lord says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. 
and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Okay, I'm going to stop you there just for a minute. So this is the introduction to the end of the 400 years is over and God is speaking. So um, not to go into a lot of detail here, but back up and just notice in verses where are we? Verses 12 through 17. I count seven wills there. The Lord will, 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 will. He's saying, this is what I'm proclaiming to you, and this will take place. And if you look at um, verse number 20, he says, um, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their time. Last year at Advent, we talked about Galatians 4.4. 4. And it says, in the, when, you know, in the fullness of time, or when the fullness of time had come, the Lord sent his son, uh, born of a virgin and born under the law. When the fullness of time had come, when it was the right time, the Lord fulfilled what he had promised. So that's what's happening here. Um, side note, um, I noticed here in verse number uh, 12, it says, do not be afraid, uh, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And I thought, that's interesting because what they're praying for is that they're praying for children. And I just know a lot of people right now that are praying for children. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to go before the Lord and to say, God, would you bless us um, with a child? Um, yeah, so here's the seven wills and the, the, them praying that they would have children. And now they're old. And the Lord says, I'm going to raise you up a child. And he brings to them John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had one purpose. And his purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, if we hit pause here. And if we read through and just look at John the Baptist's life, we see that after he sees the Messiah, after Jesus comes into the water, he baptizes Jesus, and then everybody's like, so what do we do now? Do we follow you or do we follow him? And John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. I'm only here to point you to him. So then Jesus becomes the one that people follow. And then soon thereafter, John the Baptist finds himself in prison. He's beheaded and his life is over. Isn't that crazy? No one born of woman that was greater than John the Baptist, but he had one purpose, which was to point people to the Messiah. And he fulfilled that mission well. It didn't end the way that he thought that it would. He didn't get to grow old with Jesus. There was nothing like that that was happening. He came, pointed people to Jesus, and then his life was over. You know, I thought about this week. You know, am I understanding what Jesus is calling me to do? Am I okay with that? Or am I trying to make my life um, something more than that? So again, not trying to be preachy, but just noticing here's John the Baptist. He's the first one on the scene and he's pointing people to Jesus. Okay, now pick up in verse number 26 and let's go through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be fright, afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be, uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, just hit pause for a moment there. So here's the angel coming again, and now he's coming before Mary. And as was the case with Zechariah, they're troubled when they see the angel. Well, I would be troubled too if an angel, you know, just showed up. And they, he says, don't worry, you're going to have a baby. And this baby's name is going to be Jesus, which being translated from Joshua means the Lord is salvation. So the one that you're going to actually deliver is salvation. The Lord himself is salvation. So Mary hears all of this. And then in verse number eight, it says, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. Very similar to John the Baptist. Okay whatever you say, I'm okay with that. What is my role here? Let it be, I am your servant. So here's where my heart becomes devotional. And this is where I start thinking about, Lord, am I okay with pouring out my life for you? You know, am I okay with just being your servant in this world? Or am I looking for something else? And we'll get to that in a little bit later. Okay, so now read 39 through 56, Sam. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. All right. Hit pause for a moment. Back up a couple of verses. Verse number 44, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God remembers his promises. He remembers his mercy. Um, stating the same thing that I've already stated, God fulfills his purposes. When the time was right, the Lord fulfilled his promises. He fulfilled his purposes. When I think about you know, Sam and I have been having some conversations just about the timing of the Lord. We've got some, some things that we're praying through and we're, we're you know, wondering what the Lord's will is in the, the timing of these things, like a future church plant and you know, elders and just you know, all kinds of different things. And I think about these moments in my life 
where the Lord, you know, called me from the school, and then there was this 400 years is what it felt like. Like, what in the world is going on? And it felt like an eternity. And sometimes when we're in the space of time that there's no voice from the Lord, there's no clear declaration, we get antsy. You know, but the Lord's timing is not like ours. It's perfect. There's something that we need to go through. There's something that we need to learn. There's some things that he needs to orchestrate before he's able to reveal the next step. The Lord always fulfills um, his promises. And then I look, look at the, verse number 49. I love this verse where it says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. That's our song that the yeah, worship team we were, t- we were talking about earlier. We sing that all the time, and holy is his name. But notice the two words in that verse. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. I'd never noticed that before until this week and I was preparing. It just reminds me of Galatians you know, 2.20, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I said about a month ago that as a believer, that that was always my biggest struggle. It wasn't the fact that God loved the world and it wasn't the fact that he would lay down his life. You know, I saw all of that in a, in, you know, from a broad perspective of what Jesus had done, but I never really believed, I don't think, that he truly loved me and that he had done these things for me. The church, yes. You know, the world, yes. But me, I don't know. That was just a struggle. And I stumbled over that struggle for years and years and years. And here's, you know, in this, in this moment, Mary singing this song, and she's reminding herself that the Lord has done this for me. Yeah, he loves you. He loves me. You know, he's, he's given himself for you. And that's just a beautiful truth for us to remember. Okay, let's continue going. Verse number 57, and I'll just tell you when to stop. Okay. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by that name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring why he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
And the child grew and became strong in the spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. All right. Yeah, we'll pause there for a moment. So there's a lot happening in this, in this particular section. Just backing up a few words to guide our feet into the way of peace. If you'll go back a month ago when we talked about in the armor of God, the gospel of peace, the way of peace, the fact that we actually have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? Well, look back on verse number 77 in the forgiveness of sins. It's because this God who, in verse number 77, gives knowledge of salvation to his people, this knowledge of salvation is for the forgiveness of sins. God pursues us. He sends a Savior. If we don't understand our brokenness, if we don't understand our sinful condition, then we'll never understand our need for a Savior. Christmas will not mean anything. If you, if you go to someone and say, hey, here's good news, God loves you and he died for you. Well, great, thank you. Have a good day. You know, it doesn't mean anything unless you understand the weightiness of, of the sinful heart that we all have. And Jesus coming as our Savior is able and willing to seek us out, to love us well, and to forgive us of all of our sins. We say it too often, and we don't really think about that. But it's just powerful, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Back up a little bit, there was a couple of other things I wanted to point out. Um, in verse number 58, when all of her friends hear what's happening, what the Lord is doing, and how he's shown mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. They rejoiced with her. And I thought, look at that, there's no jealousy. There's no jealousy that God is doing something in Carrie's life that he's not doing in my life or Joshua's life that he's not doing in my life. You know, we rejoice when God is doing a work in someone else's life. There should not be an envy that's there. We should not covet, you know, this, uh, these, the blessings or the, this, this amazing thing that Jesus does in Sam and in Rachel's life. We should rejoice when that happens. And not only within our own body and not only within our own families, you know, but also with churches. You know, we should rejoice when we hear that a church three miles down the road is having a true revival, that people are coming to faith. We should not see that as competition at all. We rejoice when God is doing a work, and that's what's happening here with Mary's um, friends um, as well, or Elizabeth's friends. Okay, and then again, you see in verse number 72, him remembering his holy covenant, just the fact that God is patient. So he raises up John. John the Baptist has one purpose, and that's to point people to Jesus. He raises up Mary, and Mary has one purpose, and that's to bring Jesus into the world. And now God the Father is sending God the Son to give the knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of sins. Okay, and now here comes this moment. So now you've got the nine months of the pregnancy and then boom. You ready, Sam? Yep. Okay, let's go through verse number 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, 
and, or cloths and laid them in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, mm. and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right. Hit pause. You know, this is the, the Christmas story that we all know. We, all, we always start it there for some reason. We skip the first part, you know, with the encounter with Zechariah and Elizabeth and what's happening with John the Baptist, but it all fits together. So if you go back and if you look at it in Galatians 4, 4, I referenced it earlier, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, so God has a plan. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And all of this is to point to a time that he was going to send his son, Jesus. The first prophecy of Jesus actually takes place in Genesis 3.15. So you see, you know, even in Genesis, we're pointing to Christ coming. And now there's this fullness of time. 400 years are over. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So here's this fullness of time. And I think about this from a heavenly perspective. This is the moment. This is what they've been waiting on. There was, it was a mystery. Sam, you talked a lot about when we were going through Ephesians. I remember you preached that Sunday, and it was just mystery, 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 mystery. Over and over and over, there's, that word mystery was used in Ephesians. There was a mystery that the angels didn't fully understand. And it was that Christ was going to come and he was going to redeem his people. And this is it. This is the moment. And all of a sudden, here they come. And in the same region, shepherds were out in the field. And there he comes the angel of the Lord. And he appears to the shepherds. We'll get back to that in a moment. But think about this from the angel's perspective. Right? God says, this is the moment. We're going to rebuild Jesus to the world. I'm going to send you, you're the angel, now go let them know. Well, who do I go to? Who would you think that the angel would go to? Most important moment of all time to this point, and God sends his angels not to the king, you know, of Rome or any other important person. He sends this angel to the shepherds. To the shepherds, to smelly shepherds out on a dark field. And then there's a, there's a backup group of angels, and they're there as well. And then all of a sudden, in verse number 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, y'all ready? Angels already gone and proclaimed, now you all, you ready? You go! And here's all of these angels, and they go to a hillside with a bunch of smelly shepherds. That's it. Okay, come on back. You did exactly what I had asked you to do. You proclaimed the Lord's coming, and you did it to whom I had asked you to do so. And when I see that, when I think about just the economy of God, God reveals himself to Mary. Just a normal 
you know, girl, young girl, Mary. And you think about, you know, Joseph and um, here's these shepherds. I don't know, for some reason, that just does something to my heart. It gives me hope because I am the smelly shepherd. That's not trying to be disrespectful to the shepherds because they did a good work. In fact, pastor means shepherd. And that's why we say that we want to be a smaller church because you can't shepherd people that you don't know. You need to know their names. You need to know their stories. You need to know their history. You know, so it's nothing against the word shepherding because shepherding was an important thing, but shepherds didn't smell great. You know, in the economy of the world at that time, they weren't the most important people in the world, and that's who God chose to reveal himself to. I'm broken. We're all a mess. We're fools. We do stupid, stupid things, and we've all got this past that's just full of sin and bad decision, one bad decision after another. I'm a smelly shepherd. I have no hope at all unless Jesus chooses to reveal himself to me. That economy of God where he seeks out those that are not mighty, go look at verse uh, 52. We read it earlier. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you see that? I mean, does that not just give you hope that Jesus would, of everybody on the earth, he's going to send the message to the shepherds? I don't know. That just makes my heart warm just knowing that God would pursue people like me. Okay, let's continue going. This is the end. We've only got five more verses or six more verses, I guess. Read 15 through 20 and then we'll wrap up. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them according or concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. All right. That's our reading for this morning. It's revealed that the Messiah has come, that Christ has come. When people heard this, they wondered what this was all about. There was a, a time of wondering. Mary treasured up these things and she pondered them in her heart. Our focus for this year's Advent has been waiting and it's been pondering. So when we hear these truths that we've heard in the story this morning, there's probably more, but I have a couple of, couple of ponderings for us, a couple of things to consider. You know, one is looking at the bigger kingdom picture as we wait on the Lord, right? Just reminding ourselves that God is in charge and there's a bigger kingdom purpose. And may, I may not understand this 400 years of silence that I'm sitting in right now, but I have to understand that God is trustworthy. He's faithful to fulfill all his promises. He's faithful when we are faithless, the word says, and he will fulfill his promises in the right time. That's a good pondering for me. Sometimes at the end of the day, everything in life comes down to a couple of simple questions. Number one, do you believe that there's a God? Well, yeah, I believe that there's a God. Okay, number two, 
Do you believe he's good? Well, yeah, I believe that he's good. Okay, number three, this one's a big one. Do you trust him fully? Right, those are the big questions. Do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you think he's good? Yeah. And do you trust him fully? And sometimes our hearts just don't trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. You know, or we think that maybe he has forgotten us. But one of the ponderings is just to understand that the Lord began, Philippians 1, 6, a good work in us, and he'll carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He hasn't forgotten me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. There is a deeper kingdom purpose, and I need to remember that as I am waiting. Uh, the second one is just this reminder when I see um, this, this exclamation, this, this proclamation that comes from Elizabeth or Mary, they worshiped while they waited. They just, they worshiped while they waited. Man, that's just a good reminder. Instead of me just pleading for God, make these things known, please answer this prayer. How about if we just set that aside and say, Lord, I trust you, but right now I'm just going to worship you. I'm not going to ask you for anything at all. You don't have to reveal all of these details that I'm dying to know, but I'm just going to worship you. Worship while you wait. And then we, we've talked about this through John the Baptist and, and through Mary and Zechariah and, you know, everybody else that's involved, the shepherds, trusting God to use you and me according to his plan for our lives. You know, how about if he's calling us to be a John the Baptist, to have a certain span of time where we point people to Jesus and then our life ends? Are we okay with that? You know, are we okay with that? Or have we bought into the, um, the American dream? And then the gospel moment, as I'm pondering and as I'm waiting and as I'm thinking about this story, goes back to all of our hearts. Because many of us, all of us, some more than others, have spent our whole lives waiting and looking for something. You know, we, we look for the perfect vacation. We think that that's going to satisfy us and it never does. When we're a young female, we think that that young male is going to be the thing that satisfies us. And maybe you marry him, but he doesn't satisfy in the way that you, you, you really need because God has created us that the only thing and the only one that will satisfy us is a relationship with him. You know, if COVID would just end, then everything is going to be great. No, then our hearts will be impatient waiting for, you know, for something else. You know, the, the job, the degree, the relationship, the experiences, or Christmas to finally come, or Christmas to finally be over, however you look at it. You know, these, these things will never satisfy us. Many of us spend our whole lives waiting and looking for that one thing that's going to make our life meaningful. And we'll always be disappointed. And we'll go to great extremes to try to find something that will satisfy us. That's what all of humanity is doing. And that's why we're such a mess. Because we're looking for things. We're looking for causes. We're looking for people to somehow make our life meaningful. And we think that that's going to satisfy. And it never will. It never will. The Messiah has come. Jesus has come. The Christ has come. And he's come to give us salvation. And he's come to forgive us of all of our sins so that we would be at peace with God. That's powerful. That's what we need. We need forgiveness. We need a relationship with God. That's what this Christmas story is all about. Now we can have forgiveness of sins and we can walk with our Creator.
our hearts will still be prone to wonder, as the great hymn says. We'll still find ourselves reaching for things that we think are going to satisfy. So we have to apply the gospel over and over in our lives. It's not like we come to faith in Christ, Sam, and then we're like, oh, all of those temptations went away. Now I just walk around in perfect peace and harmony and with this state of bliss, just worshiping Jesus because I'm completely satisfied. Now we're still in the flesh. We're still in the flesh and our hearts will be drawn to these other things. We have to remind ourselves, Christ has come. I'm not who I was. I'm not this old creation. I'm a new creation. I'm forgiven. I've known by him and I'm his son or I'm his daughter and I live for a a deeper kingdom purpose now and I have to remind myself of that over and over and over again. God visited us in order to restore us, to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself, to justify us of all of our sins, to forgive us, that he would know us. Christmas is all about that. See the little the boy right there? Yeah. The little baby. That's pretty cute. The little cute baby. Boy. Born of a woman. Born under the law at the right time to come and to grow. And at 30 years of age to say, okay, now my ministry begins. And for three years to lay down his life so that you and I would be able to sit here this morning and hear this story and be reminded, oh, this is what Christmas is about. Messiah has come. He's loved me well, and he's given himself for me. These are the things that we want to ponder. This is what we want to treasure in our hearts. A little bit more devotional than we're used to at Redstone, but this is what I want you to think about this morning. We're going to um, end our time. Maddie, you guys can come on up. We're going to end our time singing three songs of worship. And before we do so, we just want to be still before the Lord. So as you're being still before the Lord, ask yourself the questions. Do I believe in God? Do I believe that he is good? Do I trust him? And do I remember why Jesus came? that all my sins could be forgiven and that I could walk with my creator. Let these things just settle in and just sink deep into our minds and into our hearts this morning. Let's just be still for a few moments, then I'll close us in, in our prayer. Lord, meet us where we're, we are as a collective church and individually, Lord, show us maybe things that are in our hearts that we're running toward in order to satisfy that we need to repent of. Each of us. Help us to ponder well, to think about the kingdom, to think about our lives and what you've called us to and to ask ourselves, am I willing to just pour out my life for his sake? Do I understand that he loved me? Lord, help us individually to understand whatever lesson that you're trying to teach us this morning.